0: And it's not there's a land to go to Jesus said I go to prepare a place for you said if it were not true I would have told you so said the reason I'm doing it is that where that I am you can be also we're looking to him today and we're pressing toward that land with all of our hearts Along the life's journey there are milestones along the way I, today, I want to take a special moment to wish Brother Tom, Sister Nancy, a happy anniversary. It was their 50th. I think some of their family and children are here, so God bless you. Amen. We're so thankful to have examples like you, for others to look up to, a long life's journey. Amen. That the Lord can be with you through the many dangerous toils and snares of life. Let's go to the Lord in prayer today. Maybe... As we go to prayer today, that you could just look to the Lord and say, Father, will you just speak to my heart? I need you in this moment like never before. And I just want to tune in, Lord, and tune the world out for a moment. And let you just tune my faith until it matches the promise of the Word. Let the anointing of the Spirit come to just dissolve my doubts, take away my fears and put my heart on heaven, on that land. If we would live here on the earth, anticipating for that place there, life would be a lot different for many. Father, in the name of Jesus, as we bow our heads before you today, we thank you, Lord, that there is a place and a gathering there on the other side. Lord, that we have made reservations, many of us today, Lord, for that land, for that place. We're looking to you, Father, as we anticipate it today, knowing that rapture of the church could take place any time. That certainly, the times of the Gentiles are swiftly closing, and Lord, we are moving into a new era of time where time and eternity is blending together and we're about to cross over. And I pray, Lord, your blessings upon us today as you would just so anoint us with your presence. Lord, that you would speak to hearts today, that if there's any unprepared to meet you, that they would come to know you, the living God, that you would be alive and real in their lives, making yourself known to them in a very personal way. I ask Lord your blessings upon us today. We need you. I need you in this moment. It's very important, Father, because without you, I can do nothing. I'm just a, a vessel here that needs to be filled with the anointing of the Spirit to speak forth the words of life. Lord, we have certainly taken in of the word. we have studied the word we have prepared ourselves for this moment but all of the preparations we could make is in vain unless you come and so lord we would ask that you would come today not just for me the speaker but the hearer also i prayed that the hearer will make room in their heart for the word of god that it would dwell in them richly as the bible said lord that the spirit of christ could have preeminence in their lives Now, Father, I'm little. There's such little that I can do. Lord, and I I say that very humbly, realizing I'm your servant. And I I can only do what you commissioned me to do. And I pray, Father, that you'll just make me sensitive to the Holy Spirit today. That I I would abide by your slightest bidding. As we open up the pages of the Bible and we look into the Word of God, I pray that you'll breathe life into it today. And may it be the, what the Spirit is speaking at this moment, we pray in Jesus' name. Heal the sick among us, those that are needy, Lord, in their lives. I pray that you'll meet it. Those that need a spiritual touch, an uplifting, Father, may you lift them up above the shadows of this life. To those, Lord, that are about to leave the shadowlands of this earth and enter into the other dimension, I pray, oh God, you'll prepare them for that moment in time. We give this service to you, asking, Lord, that you'll speak now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 61. We want to greet you in the wonderful name of Jesus. Certainly good to be in the house of the Lord and have this privilege of serving God together today. And I ask that he'll just come and speak to you in a wonderful way. And those of you that are listening online, may God bless you as well. And amen, and ever need supplied for you, amen. Thank you for coming, for being here with us today. And uh, let's just enter in with all of our hearts and let the Holy Spirit speak to us. What good would it do if we just came and went through the formality of church? Amen. We want the Spirit to speak expressly. Allow Him to speak to your heart. Verse verse 1 of chapter 61 of Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings to the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, in the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And this is where Jesus would stop when he was reading the Scripture because this would apply in particular to his first coming. And then, of course, then the next part, of course, is the day that we are in where it comes the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all that mourn. You remember this uh, word of comfort that was given in Thessalonians where he said, I comfort, we'll comfort one another with these words is that the Lord himself would descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And we which are alive and remain will be caught up to meet him. So it is the word of comfort in this day in a time of trouble that we have the coming of the Lord to look forward to. It is the escape that he told us to pray always when we see the day of vengeance coming upon the earth, to pray that we would escape the things that are coming upon this earth and be worthy to be counted worthy to stand before the Son of Man. So he says to comfort all that mourn, to appoint in them that mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called the righteousness, the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that He might be glorified. And it's that phrase there that I want to I want to dwell on this morning: the planting of the Lord. God bless you. Can be seated. We're going to be speaking on placed, or as He says here in Isaiah, planted placed in the land of promise. Now, if you will also turn with me to the book of Ephesians for it's very applicable to the hour that we're in, um, in that as the book of Joshua would uh, place Israel into their land of promise, even so the book of Ephesians places us into the land of the Holy Spirit and the land of the Holy Ghost where all blessings lay. Now, verse 3 says of Ephesians 1, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. So if, if you notice, every spiritual blessings lay in Amen. heavenly places in Christ. So in the Holy Ghost lays ever spiritual blessing and then he said according as he had chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love having predestinated us to the adoption to the adoption of children by jesus christ himself according to the good pleasure of his will That in the dispensation, now what's these words? That in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he's going to gather in one all things into Christ, what is in heaven and is what is on earth, bring them all together in him. And of course, this again speaks of the great rapture of the church because he will bring that which is which is in heaven, the saints there, that which is on earth, the saints here, the living and the dead, and bring it all together in him in the great meeting in the air. And all this happens at the dispensation of the fullness of times, or when time is coming to its fullness. And there comes a time where scripture comes into its full manifestation. Now, notice, and he said, um, in whom also we have res- obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. Now, of course, we we can all go back and think of um, things like that comes from the message, the God rich in mercy of where it was spoke of the on the Ephesians, how the book of Joshua was the Ephesians of the Old Testament and how it's a book of redemption. Now, redemption has two parts, and that is, of course, one of them is coming out of and the other is going into. So first you have to come out. Some people want to, you know, come uh, and bring the world with them, but you got to come out of the world to come into Christ. You have to come out of unbelief to enter into faith. You see, there cannot be one thing in your way. You cannot cannot look at what you see or what you feel or what you hear or what apparently things look like or what you don't see yet. You You can't do that. You've got to come out of unbelief to enter into faith. Cannot be one thing in your way. To really have genuine faith, you must leave everything that's contrary to the word of God behind to enter into faith. And that was the the book of Ephesians of the Old Testament, the book of Joshua, where Moses, who represented the law, could not save anyone, but grace could. And here Joshua is the same word is Jesus. Actually, they changed it for us in our New Testament to the, the Greek form of Joshua, which is, um, which is Jesus. It was actually Yeshua. But to keep you being from confused, you know, on which uh, Yeshua you're talking about, the J- Yeshua in the book of Moses or the, the Yeshua in the New Testament, the, the scholars would change it to the Greek uh, meaning or the Greek word Jesus. And so, but it is Yeshua our Jehovah Savior. And so again, when we, we find out as Jehovah's Savior, um, the Joshua, the Old Testament, where God was saving his people out of Egypt's bondage and bringing them over into the promised land, then they would be placed into their land of inheritance. Gad would get its part. Um, Naphtali would get their part. Judah would have their portion. Each one of them would be placed in the inheritance. Now, we come to another Joshua, which is another Ephesians, where that, um, that everything before us comes to an end. That in our, in our intellectual denominations, our educational programs... Has to come to his Jordan, where we have an Ephesians again, where we leave behind that in the past, and we enter into the complete word of promise, so another ephesians is is like Joshua crossing over Jordan and entering into the Holy Ghost and all of its resources. Where believers are placed in the inheritance as trees of righteousness, they are planted. They are called the planting of the Lord. God planting you in the word of promise. Now, um, you know, Brother Branham would talk about this in restoration of the bride tree. And he said, David saw this tree and it was planted by the rivers of waters. This tree, he shall be uh, like a tree, that's Psalms 1. He shall be like a tree, God's tree, planted by the rivers. Notice, plural, of the rivers of water. One water, but rivers of that water. Now, so it's, um, it's one water. It's not a Baptist water and a Methodist water Presbyterian water. It's one Holy Spirit water. And so just rivers of one water, and from that water comes nine spiritual gifts by the same Spirit, nine fruits of the Spirit from the same channel. So he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. And a man that's planted by the rivers of water, um, one water, one Spirit, there in that, when he's planted there, there are gifts of healing. Same spirit. Gifts of prophecy, same spirit. All the same spirit, many gifts, one giver. So again, Brother Branham would bring this whole thought down, like from wisdom versus faith. And he would pick up on this for the first time and said, Rivers, what is that? The nine spiritual gifts. Rivers of one water, one spirit. One water, but come from nine different resources, rivers of water. It wasn't set out. He should be like a tree that's set out or transposed into this. He was planted. What does that mean? We were predestinated. So God has predestinated a church to be right here where we are at this very time. See, the thought of God before the foundation of the world has placed us here. We're not stuck out. We're not here by chance, but we've been planted or predestinated to the rivers of water. Amen. Now, and of course, when, it, when we do, we bring forth our fruit in its season. Is that right? His fruit, actually, his own fruit, God's fruit. Amen. And so what kind of fruit would that be? It would be um, the Bible, the entire word of God. It would produce the word. If you're going to be a word bride, you have to bring and marry to the word groom. Then you got to bring forth the word children or word fruit. And, and again, so his own fruits. What is the fruits? It's the Bible. All of it here, not part of it, but all of the word. Amen. There's the fruit. Love is in the Bible. Joy is in the Bible. Amen power the holy ghost all these things divine healing promises of god that are that are fruits so of the tree that is planted in the rivers of by the rivers of water will bring forth his fruit god's fruit the word fruit in its season amen and its leaves shall not wither amen now they're not going to be a dry tree they're not going to be a dead branch They're not going to be a fruitless vine. They're going to be a vine that has fruit on it. So what kind of fruit will it bring forth? John 14, 12. The works that I do shall you do also, and greater than these shall you do. Amen. What kind of fruit will it bring forth? It'll bring forth the same word that was in him will be in his people. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, then ask what you will. You see, now there is evidence that too many are sitting by a dried up system, or dried up tree. Well, when Jesus came to the victory, what did He look for? Fruit. Amen. What happened to the tree when there was no fruit? It was cursed. Amen. This is what happens. God comes looking for fruit in this this last day bride, and we just read you and we just shared with you what the fruit is—word fruit, all the word. Gifts, signs, wonders, joy, peace, love. Come on, every word, every promise, whatever it is, it all must be on that tree because it is a tree that is planted in the land by the Spirit. Amen. Now, and again, is not to be a, a one that withers up, dries up, falls away, casts its fruit, It must be a fruit-bearing branch. Jesus said in John 15, 2, every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. So there it is. You don't bear fruit. If a church doesn't bear fruit, it gets cut off. What kind of fruit? John 14, 12. Mark 16. Amen. Every, Every gift of the body, every promise in the word, not just part of it, the whole word. Are you with me? Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purges it, that it might bring forth more fruit. So God is not just satisfied with a little fruit. God wants more fruit. And what he does, he, he purges it, so it will bring forth. What he says in verse 3, now you are clean, or now you are purged, through the word which I have spoken unto you. Now, what do you think God sent a message for in this day? It was to purge a group of people from unbelief where they could bear the fruit of Mark 16, John 14, 12. Come on. Luke 17, 30. Every promise in the Bible that they would manifest God in this generation. They would be a fruit bearing branch. Now, so I'm sending a word to purge you. A lot of times we forget what the message is about. The word it comes to cleanse you, not for you to change the word, but to let the word wash you from your unbelief. Amen. So he, so you what's now? Abide in me and I in you. In other words, stay in Christ. Stay, in the, stay under the anointing. Stay in the Holy Ghost. Don't stray to cold theology. Theology without power, without love, but keep life within you. So this is what Jesus said. You know, if you're bearing fruit, then what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna send a message to cause you to bear more. Now, we're we're looking and we're seeing a whole lot that has just been cut off branches that are withered they're dead they've died they uh, they bring bring no fruit so God cut them off are you with me and he's going to cut off every branch that don't bear the fruit every church that doesn't bring forth the fruit every church that doesn't manifest the promised word so now abide in me and I in you and as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it it abide in the vine no more can you accept you abide in me. You see why it is so important to abide in the Holy Ghost. To not leave the land of promise. To stay right there within its borders and there to bear fruit in that land. Now, you see, because men have left the Holy Ghost, this is what he says in verse 5. I'm the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth me and I am him. The same beareth forth much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. And of course, that's what's happened today, is we have we have our churches have become intellectual. Got the best dressed crowds, the biggest organization, the most smartest ministers. And when it comes to that, don't have any use for the Holy Ghost. Without the Holy Ghost, without the anointing. Come on, without the word to cleanse us. And when it cleanses us, it's not gonna produce less fruit. Somehow we got this backwards. We think the more message we get and the more theology we get and the more we get it right, the less of God we got. And the less we got of the moving of the spirit and the less we have of joy and the less we have of of the manifestations of God. Somehow we got that backwards. He said, when I'm sending a message, I'm doing it to wash away unbelief. So you'll have more, not less. More, not less. Amen. But, you know, like every every time down to the ages, what it's had, every time God moved and it was a move of God, then we got the most smartest ministers, the most intellectual crowd, and we intellectualize the message. And we got more theology and less power. More knowledge and don't know how to use it. I'm going to just say it useless knowledge. Because knowledge that can't be used is useless. Amen. So, you know, in other words, you know, they're, they're full. In other words, action speaks louder than words. They're, the seminaries, the brain of their being, they're coming together. They're discussing the thing that they're more able with their own intellectual minds to set a church in order. And this is, this is what has been done. With intellectual minds, we have tried to set the church in order. And when we have done it with intellectual minds, we have wound up with no fruit on the tree. Because we pull it out where God, from where God planted it by the Holy Ghost and we plant it over here in a barren land. Right. The only way to get it to bear fruit is to get it back, its roots back in the Holy Ghost. Amen. If there's anything you ought to desire in your own life is that your roots be really watered by the Holy Ghost, Amen. tapped right in all the time. Amen, where that it's flowing out of your life and producing the fruits the Bible said you're to produce. So, well, you know, in their intellectual minds they've set a church in order, better than what the Holy Spirit could do it. So they don't need it no longer. It's something we don't need today. It's days are past. We don't need the Holy Spirit to heal the sick. Well, you got doctors. We don't need the Holy Spirit to speak with tongues. We're all intelligent people. And when you do, you take right away from your lifeline, your framework. And Jesus said to them, Jews, have you read that? The stone that was rejected is the chief cornerstone that all the building is setting upon. So they're rejecting the the very cornerstone itself. And when the church isn't based on the spirit, come on. I mean, if they're not based on the spirit, then, then it doesn't have anything to make the word live. It just becomes a dead theology. It just becomes a tree without fruit that winds up being cursed or a branch that is cut off from him. Now, so he said, I'm sure, I'm sure you catch that. The reason of it is they thought they would never need it. We don't need speakers with tongues. We don't need interpreters of tongues. We no longer need Old Testament prophets to set us in order by the Holy Spirit. We understand it. They've adopted a man-made system to take the place of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, there is a, man, there is a people. Remember, we've been speaking about another people in the land. There is a people that's elected, that has their names on the Lamb's book of life. They can't go for that. They're spiritual minded and therefore they cannot go for that. And they cannot stand it no matter if their fathers and mothers lived in whatever organizational church. They can't stand it because their names are represented in life. Now look at verse 6. If a man abide not in me, if a man don't stay in the Holy Ghost, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them in the fire and they burn. Sodom, fire is going to get them. So, you see, here's where they would come to Jordan. And they would cross over and everything would have to come to its Jordan to go across into the promised land. The same thing is true even if you are coming to Christ today, you you see, you must come down to Jordan, to death to yourself. The world cut off and left behind and enter into the Holy Ghost. But not only that, the church has to do the same thing. It, It must and it has come down to its Jordan. People, you will either cross over or you will stay behind. Amen. But you see, you see, it's it's where our intellectual denominations and all our educational program has come to its Jordan. You cannot bring that into the new land. You see, it is there at the crossing of the Jordan where the reproach of Egypt is rolled away. Where your past slavery is done away with. Amen, where you're not slaves anymore and you leave your slave mentality behind and you enter into the fullness of the Word. But it's too bad. It's too bad But educational programs have have accepted and been promoted in the message as a substitute for the Holy Ghost. Intellectual factions where men have tried to pass the message on intellectually through intellectual teaching that lack the anointing of the Spirit, where sermons become dry lectures and dead seminars instead of old-fashioned prayer meetings where the baptism of the Spirit of God falls. But you see, all of these have come to their Jordan. They've come to death, because, and all it can do is produce death. You see, you cannot come to this land of promise by an intellectual conception. It is an experience that you must have with the person of Jesus Christ. You see, crossing Jordan means death to self and born again into the land of the Spirit. Now, some are just simply not called to go there. I want you to know you were planted. You were not set out or stuck out. You have been purposely put. Into the land of the Holy Ghost. Amen. But some are not called to go there. They wind up dying in the wilderness. So, you know, there are others like Esau. They weren't to go into the promised land. Moab, that wasn't their place. God gave them their place. On the other side of Jordan. So, you see, just leave them alone. Amen. Don't argue with them. But we're passing through to another land. Amen. No, they just wasn't ordained to go with you. That's all. Amen. I they won't walk with you. Well, how can two walk together unless they be agreed? But those who love God, to those who are called of God, you know, and, and you know, God gave Esau the, this mountain. Don't touch him. But I got something different for you. Amen, cross over, and I would just want to say, God's got something different for you than educational programs and denominational seminars. God's got something greater for you. He's got a real land of the Holy Ghost where every promise of God lays in it. Amen. Esau, that may be their portion. That may be good enough for them, but we got something different than that. And that's what Brother Bannon would say about his own church. He said, I desire to see my church cross over into another land, a desire to move on to the other side. If there's something in you here first calling, there's got to be something to respond to that call. Yeah. Just sitting down to sheep raising ain't enough for you. Just go some sort of a business is not enough for you. Just to join church and put your name on a book is not enough for you. Amen. This is to produce more than denominational few warmen Christians. Amen. But a people who are on fire for God. A people who know their God. Who has experienced him and they do exploits. Amen. But, but you see, it's not enough for you. And, and I, I know the longing in your heart and the longing is mine. I want everything the Holy Ghost has. I want every promise that is in the book. I want every gift that he has. I want all of his power. I want his joy. I want to be able to shout about it. I want the emotions it brings. I want everything that it has. Some are satisfied with just churchanity. Well, let them go. Let them have their church. That's good enough. For them, that's okay. God bless them. But for you, there's something different calling. Amen. There's... There's all across the Jordan until you fall into the arms of God yonder. Amen, until the rapture of the church. I don't know about you, but there's a land I'm homesick for, that longing for down on the inside. But you see, you can't make them all see it. And so that ain't in our purpose. Our purpose isn't about them and they and their and and whatever. We want to focus on who we are the bride of christ we want to focus on what we have been called to and so that to you that believe how many is a believer today amen then you know there's something in you there's a deep call to the deep there's a longing for more of god there's a need for a greater outpouring of the spirit there is a desire to set your roots down deeper into the rivers of water and push out until every fruit of God is manifest in your life. Amen. You want to, you want to feed in every stream of God. Amen. Amen. So we can't be satisfied with theology or just a good church. Amen. Or even just a little healing service. There's something beyond that calling. So on one side of Jordan is an intellectual conception. The other side is the revelation of Jesus Christ. On one side of Jordan is an intellectual knowledge and it just produces death. And the other side is a supernatural gospel that produces life. Now, so one, ha- one side has an intellectual conception When the true side of God there in the promised land has the revelation of Jesus Christ by a spiritually revealed truth. Now I want you to understand when it comes a spiritual revealed truth, God reveals himself personally to you as an individual and when you do, you quickly become deity on the inside of that man. Amen, he is a son or daughter of God that puts him in position to speak to this mountain and don't doubt and it'll move. Amen, don't you wanna be able to move past your doubts? Don't you wanna move past your human reasoning? and your human thinking and going through that cycle of death all the time of doubt and fear and unbelief and walk into the place where you know your position and you know where you're standing and you have been placed in the promised land and you're a people of faith that know how to operate in faith. Don't you want to get it where that there's a faith of God that's on the inside of you that you don't have to come to the altar to get from a preacher? You know, there's many times people are coming just to try to use our faith. And they have no faith. God's only going to give it according to your faith. And if you're faithless, then you're going to go back without anything. You're going to go back and say, well, God didn't do nothing for me. Nothing ever good happens for me. Why? Because you're faithless. Amen. you got to come to the place where your faith there is based on the word of God. I know who I am. I know my position in Christ. I'm in the land of promise. I have received his Holy Spirit and therefore as his son, I ask for this. so many people come down you know well I ain't seeing nothing happen well what does that got to do with anything that's human reasoning that's a mental conception anyway conceptualized by what you see real revelation is not conceptualized by what you see but what God's word said faith has to be based on the everlasting eternal word of God now so you know a place, standing in the line where you know you're in the vine, and you speak to this mountain, and you don't doubt in a move. You ask anything in His name. A lot of people, the reformers got that all mixed up, you know. So, well, if I abide in him and he abides in me, so I'll spend so many hours a day praying and I'll fast so much and I'll try this and I'll try that. That never was God's plan. God's plan was for you to be born into the Spirit. And once you're born in the Spirit, you abide in him, he abides in you and you have the right as a son to ask what you will, and it shall be done. You can ask in his name and use his name freely because you are in the family. But you see, an intellectual concept is rationalism. It's knowledge derived from reason. Rationalism is a a belief or theory that opinions and actions should be based on reason and knowledge rather than a religious belief or emotional response. And philosophy is the theory that reason rather than experience is the foundation of certainty and knowledge. So... This is the problem. When you bring that over in the gospel, it might work for philosophy, but it ain't going to work in the gospel. The gospel can only come through power and much assurance. The gospel can only come by experience, not by reasoning. So when the gospel became an intellectualized through knowledge instead of revealed truth, then this rational reasoning, for example, the one God of the Bible was intellectualized into three different persons. Amen. When the Lord our God is one Lord. Amen. That's the same, same is true of baptism an intellectual concept. Instead of revealed truth, change the formula of baptism into a triune formula of Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. When that, we were to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Because there is no other name given under heaven whereby men might be saved. So it's a knowledge gained from reasoning that says eating an apple and a talking snake was a reason of the fall of mankind to disease and death. It is an intellectual conception that says a mere assent that Jesus is the Son of God and that you accept him as Savior makes you born again. That doesn't make you born again. Born again means to receive the breath of the Spirit, his life into you. And it cannot become by just being conceptualized. It must be an experience, a happening. You see, Romans 10 and 9 does not do away with Acts chapter 2. Romans 10 and 9 says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So reasoning says a mere confession and a mental assent Make an experience of the Holy Ghost such as what happened in the upper room unnecessary. You see, it was a faith in the heart due to the experience of deity coming into the soul. And then confession was made as they glorified God. You see, it was heartfelt and it was heart-changing There's the weakness of Christianity today. It it, it may, you know, it it becomes intellectualized and it's not heart changing. It must change the heart as the nature of God comes in and deals with the heart. It's not conceptualizing the word, nor is it a mental ascent that is true. It was an experience of God coming into the soul. That's what happened on the day of Pentecost. That's what happened when they received the Holy Ghost. Amen. That's when they believed from the heart. When they were in one accord believing the promise of the Father would come. And when it came, it was an experience. And then they went out confessing it with their mouth. You see, intellectualizing the gospel is why many say today that the days of miracles is passed. Their reasoning says... They're not needed since the perfect interpretation of the word has come. So then the gifts of the Spirit, speaking in tongues, working in miracles, prophecies all pass. You know, they were all right while the prophet was here, but now every gift is beyond the shelf. By the way, that's not even a quote. It's been misinterpreted. Totally. Amen. Amen. Brother Branham is talking about one day when every gift will be on the mantle will be when we're beyond the curtain of time. Not now. Not now, for crying out loud, we need to be here from God. Right now, we still need gifts of healing and workings of miracles. Right now, we don't need anything on the mantle, as it were, at laid aside. There, we won't need them. It's here, brother, we need them. We need miracles. We need healing. Yes. We need a word from God. We need, we need tongues. We need interpretation. We need every promise that God has in his Bible. Yes. Don't get the cart before the horse. Amen. One day we won't need them. There won't be no divine healing needing for the new body, for the glorified. There that won't, that won't, won't be a, an imparting of knowledge to those who because no one will say at that time, know the Lord. Was for We'll all know him from the least to the greater. Oh, right. You see, there again, but you see, again, what, what happens though when you, when you neglect these things, when, when the tree is cut off from the spirit, it's, it's like... Um, Brother Sam sent me this quote here from Queen of Sheba. Brother Bradham, used the illustration of pin your arm up. and Don't use it for a few months and find out what's happened. It gets so weak it can't be used. and That's what the church has done with these things, with all the gifts of God. You just pin them up and they're not usable. Let them loose. Amen. Let them loose. Amen, it's been pinned up long enough. Held up, said, well, you know, it's all on the mantle. It's all on the shelf. You know, it's not usable. God doesn't do it today. He's not the same as he was. Amen, but you see, the evening time message was not to bind the Holy Spirit. The evening time message was to loose the Holy Spirit upon the people. Where there is more of the Holy Ghost, not less of the Holy Ghost. More of the gifts of God, not less of the gift of God. So you see, they've been pinned up so long, they're not usable. It's become weak. People's faith weak. Don't know how to use it. (laughs) Miracles, working on Miracles. gifts of healing prophecy oh well we're beyond that yeah you are back over in the other land where it don't happen but in this land in the land of the Holy Ghost these are abundant now so here's what it is it's an intellectual conception of Christ the intellectual is all right but brother, you'll never know Christ until the Spirit of God has come down beyond the intellectual and his experience of being born again. Yes. And that's the reason that people can't believe the supernatural and call it devils. It's only because it's an intellectual conception, but my sheep know my voice as stranger. They will not follow. Yes. Amen. Again, he, he would mention this, Said the last message before the fire. This is the last message before the fire. Sodom will burn. And God will be innocent because he sent his angel, his spirit, the Holy Spirit, and the people have turned it down flatly because of intellectual conception of the gospel instead of a born-again experience. How can you see God unless God is in you? Well, Brother Tim, in my situation, I ain't seen God nowhere. Well, get a little more God on the inside of you. Then you'll be able to see God has been there all the way. For he said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Well, he ain't just moved in my situation. What do you mean? He's moved in this. He's moved in that. He's moved in another. And you fail to give him praise for what he's done and acknowledge he's been at work. How can you seek God unless God is in you? How can you get blood out of a turnip? There's no blood. Same way you can't get a believer unless God's in there to make him a believer. It has to be not an intellectual but an experience of the heart. Also the same way with divine healing. It can't come by an intellectual conception. So many times divine healing is more or less becoming a thing of an intellectual conception of divine healing. You can never, never be healed by an intellectual conception of divine healing. You might be worked up in an emotion like Christian science, but it isn't a thought. It's a person. Divine healing is something that has to come by a revelation of Jesus Christ's death at Calvary and by his stripes you were healed. So while well, I don't feel healed, that has nothing to do with it. And I don't see that I'm healed it has nothing to do with what you see or feel. What did God's word say? By his stripes you you were past tense healed why because he paid for it at Calvary. Amen. God reveals it to your heart, not your head, your heart and then there's nothing can separate you from that. So he said to show that it's intellectual, people will pass through one prayer line. Next evangelist comes a time, they'll pass through that prayer line. It's like trying to touch a totem pole, and that don't heal you. And I'm going to tell you, it don't do you any good either, for you or your faith to just keep coming repeatedly, 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 repeatedly in some prayer line. Somewhere you've got to put your stake down. You have to say, God, you made a promise to me and I believe that promise, amen, and it's already done, I said it's already done, I haven't seen the mountain move, I don't care, I may not seen a grain of sand, but I know he said it's moving, and I'm gonna stand here, and I'm gonna praise him, and I'm gonna worship him, and I'm gonna glorify him. You stand still and you look up and you listen to the word and you say, God, that was for me. You lay hold on eternal life. You don't let go of it. To understand the mysteries of God, the understanding must come by revelation. The last book of the Bible is something that is only understood by supernatural revelation. A theologian with all his study cannot figure it out. Because it's an actual revelation of Jesus Christ. And it takes the Holy Spirit to give revelation or we fail to get it. It, it don't take ordinary study or thinking to make, this, to, to make the book of Revelation real. It takes the operation of the Holy Ghost. That means this book can't be revealed to anyone but a special class of people. It'll take one with prophetic insight. It will require the ability to hear from God. It will require supernatural instruction, not just a student comparing verse with verse. Oh, well, we you become know, very educated and well-learned. No, we need to be spirit-filled. Amen, and let the book be revealed to us. Let the word become an understanding because a mystery requires the teaching of the spirit or it never becomes clear. And to do that, you have to lay yourself open to the spirit and let him speak to you. Now, you have been planted in this land. You've been placed in this land of promise. You have been placed in the beloved, as Ephesians would say. You've been placed in Christ Jesus. So you're a predestinated seed. You were foreknown of God before the foundation of the world. You were chosen in Christ to be here. Amen. But even a seed of predestination must be quickened by life or to life by an experience of the Holy Ghost. Moses was a predestinated seed. He was chosen of God. He was a special child sele- selected and, and, and saw the grace of God was on his life. His guidance was upon his little ark as it went through the Nile and guided him right down to Pharaoh's daughter. You know, the hand of God was on him all the time. You see, even when he fought with the Egyptian, and then he ran for his life. But notice here, God had a purpose for him all the time, and God has a purpose for you. Amen. Amen. If you can just get to the place, how how much you can save God trouble and yourself trouble to get in that position, to get into Christ where you belong. Moses born, you know, that seed was laying there by the intellectual conception or with an intellectual conception and all the faith that he was he was born to deliver the people. You know, he's told this from the child. He was told, given the promise from the word. He, he, he was educated with the knowledge of it. But that day in the midst of that pillar of fire, everything changed. One moment in the presence of that pillar of fire changed his whole direction for his whole life and gave him a holy boldness that he had never had before. That he was never equipped with all the knowledge before. The knowledge did not equip him. It was that experience in that pillar of fire. And that set him out to go out there and defeat the enemy. Amen. And you see, no church can thrive without the supernatural being made known among that people. That's why we got to have the supernatural on display. Something they can talk to, that will talk back to them. That vindicates the written word. Now as we as we go in this let's let's hurry along because you see you you see where we have been placed as we have been placed in Christ Jesus you say well let me let me just share this quotation from Christ's mystery because it's one that I often go back to you say well I'm Lutheran I'm Baptist I'm Presbyterian that don't mean one thing don't mean that to God Not a snap of your finger. Labels don't mean anything. Whatever you call yourself. You might label yourself a message believer. That don't mean one thing to God either. Amen. What is It's Christ being revealed. And he's the word. And when the word is revealed, it expresses itself. I got to get this to you. Amen. When the word is revealed, you say we've received the revelation of the word. Then it expresses itself. Amen. You say, well, we've been planted in the Holy Ghost. Then it expresses itself. It bears its fruit. Somebody with me now. When the word is revealed, it expresses itself. That was God's purpose for Jesus Christ, was to express itself, to take his own laws, live by his laws, and fulfill his law by death. And Christ, God, died in the flesh in order to condemn sin in the flesh that he might bring to himself, a glorious bride, redeemed back that will only believe, that will believe only in the word of God and will not swap it like Eve did for intellectual conceptions of men. That's Christ's idea. That's God's idea. The new birth reveals that. And if a man says he's born again and try to place these promises of Christ in this last day to some other age, making him Christ yesterday, but not today, then that man or that person has been in a delusion by Satan. And if a man says that he believes that and it don't manifest itself through him, Jesus said, Mark 16, these signs shall follow them that believe. Into all the world to every age, casting out devils, speaking with tongues, all these great manifestation of gifts that would follow, they shall, not they may be, they ought to, they will, and heavens and earth will pass away, but this word won't. So now she's caused the whole world to accept scientific leadership of the educational program that Satan has given to her under the name of a church, the leadership of an educational scientific program. I, I'm, I'm picturing to you the God of this world. When she, as Eve, had the filling of God's Word in her hand, she could have took God's Word, but what did she do? Instead of tarrying for the baptism of the Holy Ghost, she let science prove to her that the Holy Ghost was only for the disciples. And instead of keeping divine healing going, where she ought to be now raising the dead and doing great miracles, she has let Satan under his leadership of religious men, take the word of God and try to say it was for another age. And therefore she denies all the supernatural and swapped it for an intellectual conception of the Bible. And it put their own interpretation to in, them and God has let them set their dead as 12 o'clock midnight. And he said, finally... The only thing they have left is a bunch of little Pentecostals with a bunch of whooped up music, up and whooped up as hard as can go, running up and down the floor, speaking in tongues and denying the, a form of godliness, having a form of godliness and denying the word thereof. You tell them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, laughing your face, but God goes right on making it just so, proving His word to be so. You see, word deniers with a form of godliness that denies the power by substitution of a form this is what the Azusa movement did well what is this what is this made up jabber that is taught by the Azusa movement it's something conceived in the intellect mental reasoning believing that confused and jumbled syllables is the Holy Ghost the Holy Ghost does not come by saying a word over and over and over until the tongue gets twisted and the language confused. In the upper room, they spoke in other languages or other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Yet, yeah, you know, so, so you see, it's not, even that can be intellectualized. And conceptualize, just say Jesus, Jesus, Jesus until your language is confused. Listen, that's not what they did on the, in the upper room. Amen. The Spirit came. And when the Spirit came, it came and they had stammered lips and other tongues. Come on, somebody. Amen. And began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. That is a real, genuine, Holy Ghost tongues. So even that can be intellectualized. Yet on the others, remain on the other side of Jordan because the intellectual conception of confused teaching of just say you believe Jesus Christ died for your sins or or worse, I believe the message. Both are intellectual conceptions. But when the Holy Ghost comes, it makes you subject to every gift of the Spirit, including speaking in tongues, and you accept and believe every word of God every word remember again the evidence of the spirit of god is that you agree and accept every word of god amen well brother tim we believe the seals are open we believe the mysteries are revealed well what about speaking in tongues oh we don't believe that every word well we 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 believe in church order brother tim we believe in this well what about prophecy what about interpretation of tongues well what about gifts Well, we don't believe in that every word you see on one side of jordan is the wilderness and that is as far as intellectual conceptions can take you it'll it'll just make a denominational christian out of you on the other side of the jordan is the holy ghost and the fullness of the power. So the church's journey. Leaving the bondage of Catholicism. And along the way it made its camps. Of Baptists and Methodists. And Azusa Pentecost. All along the way. And they were all moves of God. And just as Moses was a true prophet. They were, they were moves of God. Every time they moved and progressed. They got a little closer. To the fullness of the promise. To the, to the Holy Ghost. All spiritual blessings lay in the land of the Holy Ghost. That's where the blessings are. We are blessed with all spiritual blessings in where? In heavenly places, positions in Christ. So now, let's bring this thought to forefront. In the message paradox, Brother Branham said, we're promised according to Revelation 10, and according to malachi 4 and st luke 17 30 and so forth that there's got to come in ephesians to this there's promises friend there must come in ephesians that the sevenfold mysteries of the word of god must be unfolded so here we come right now to this junction and it's a time of crossing over and this brings the denominational systems and its traditions to its jordan And the revealing of the sevenfold mysteries open up endless impossibilities where we again can walk where the apostles have trod. Now think when Israel through Joshua entered over into the land of promise, they're saying we're walking where Abraham walked. We're walking where Isaac walked. We're walking where Jacob was. We're walking where Joseph lived. Come on, somebody. Amen. You see, what this does when we have come in this day by the taking the seals off the book, by revealing the mysteries of God in this last day, what does it do? It brings us across the Jordan where we are again are walking where Jesus walked. We're walking where the apostles taught. We're walking exactly in the footsteps of Apostle Paul. We're here where where word every promise in the book again is ours it, it opens up to us every promise don't you realize that the taking off of those seals that's open up not close open up to us the promises that the world has not seen since the book of acts it has opened up to us the land of miracles Amen, listen, listen, great miracles. The most wonderful miracles. Miracles so complete that the dead in Christ will rise. We have arrived in the land where the dead in Christ rise. We have arrived in the land where there is a rapture. Where there's a change of our bodies. Where gray hair comes back to the right color. Where cross eyes are made straight. Where the most massive divine healing that was ever, ever known to man takes place. Where the, those that are alive and remain at the coming of the Lord are changed from the top to the bottom. Amen. Completely and holy, Never to get sick again. Amen. We're talking about not just entering into divine healing, but to divine health. And I don't mean that's where we are. I mean that's where we're headed in this land. But God never dealt with Israel outside of the promised land. And God will not deal with the church outside of the promised land. Till we get in our homeland. But there's so many that looks over into it and says, we can't take it. So they intellectualize the reason. Remember, it was reasoning that made the giants unconquerable. They looked at it and reasoned. It was the walled cities that they looked at. It was their reasoning that made that unconquerable. We can't do it. And you see, the Bible gives us examples like Cain, who was given opportunity like the 10 spies who wouldn't go over, like Esau who, who, who forfeited his birthright, and like who, Judas who fell away just before Pentecost. Amen. So that brings us to the scripture in Hebrews chapter six and verse four. I want to go through it right quick. Now, as we kind of lay this down, for it is impossible for those who were once enlightened And have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost. Notice, they actually were enlightened and they tasted the heavenly gift. And they were made partakers. This is like the ten spies go over there and they eat the fruit. They eat the grape. They ate the figs. They brought back evidence. Said it's real. And they tasted it but wouldn't go into it. They stood on the edge and didn't conquer. And went back into wandering again for another 40 years. Listen, church, we ain't got another 40 years of wandering. We can't afford to do it. Come on, amen, we're looking at the promise and we must say we can take every promise. It doesn't matter what it is, we're gonna take every word of God. Every word of God is sacred. Every word of God is for me. If they shall fall away, watch what he said. They taste the good word of God, the powers of the world to come. If they shall fall away to renew themselves again, repentance, seeing they crucify themselves the son of God afresh and put him to an open shame for the earth, which drinketh in the rain that come often upon it and bringeth Forth herbs meet for them by whom it is dressed, receiveth blessings of God. But that which beareth thorns and briars is rejected and is nigh unto cursing, whose end is to be burned. Brother, this is, this is a stark warning right here in the book of Hebrews that we cannot go in there and look back and fall back. In the journey of the church to the Reformation, they left the bondage of Rome. Like Israel left Egypt, then they were justified by faith, and they were brought up to sanctification. And Brother Branham often uses the example of the Nazarene pilgrim holiness. They come right up to the edge of, of the promised land, came two-thirds of the way of journey, made it all the way to sanctification, and those organizations looked into the powers of God and saw, saw the great healing miracles and saw them speak in other tongues and denied it and turned around and walked back. And Brother Brandon talks about him, and said, they can never be saved. They'll never come back. Now, we're not talking about individuals. We're talking about the organization. And he says, you know, there they fell when they come to that spot of, of Kadesh Barnea because they signed already had their signed up document statements. In other words, their charter, oh, you know, put it in. We believe all of this but that. They believed in two works of grace and justification and sanctification and they couldn't move any further. And that whole generation, just, you know, died there in the wilderness. But we must never stop anywhere in the journey. We must go all the way and then take every promise that is in there. So we're not just gonna stop at believing and being baptized. Amen, we're not just gonna stop because he cleansed our lives from sin. We must press on to a position to the promise of the baptism of the Holy Ghost where where he places us. And that brings us into our inheritance, finding our position in Christ. Now watch. If we've entered into another Ephesians, another Joshua then here's our commission. I want you to go with me to Joshua 1 and verse 5. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so will I be with thee. I will not fail thee. I will not forsake you. God said, I'm, for, I'm with this to the finish. God's going to finish this thing and as I was and I moved in the the systems past and those organization and those moves of God, I'm gonna be with you and I will not fail thee. I will be with you, amen. But be strong and of good courage. We need people in this day strong. Say I know God's gonna keep his word. I know he's gonna perform it to me. I know his promises are true you be strong and of good courage because unto those who are strong and of good courage will he divide for an inheritance the land. Amen. To the weak and the unbelieving, they'll wind back up here wandering in the wilderness. But he says, only be thou strong and very courageous that they thou mayest observe to do all that the law said to do. All the word said to do, which Moses, my servant, commanded thee, turn not from it to the right hand, to the left, that I might prosper whithersoever thou goest. So if the word said, and it does, baptize in the name of Jesus Christ, there's no other place, no other way in the Bible anybody was ever baptized in any other way. Read the whole book of Acts, you'll find every time they applied the formula of Matthew 28, 19, they did it by baptizing them, taking on the name of Jesus Christ, because only in that name is there salvation. So if the Word says, baptize in the name of Jesus Christ, we say the same thing. We're not going go to go the right nor to the left. If the word says lay hands on the sick, then we'll have prayer lines and we'll lay hands on the sick. Amen. If the word says speak with new tongues, we will desire that experience and we shall speak with new tongues. If the word says cast out devils, we will do exactly that. Now, I just just quoted you from Mark 16 and I'm saying we're gonna do it all. Amen. We're going to have the signs follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. Amen. We're going to do what he said. Amen. We will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Is that right? Amen. We're going to believe that word of promise. Amen. And it'll work for everyone that believes. Now watch. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. Well, I does not see in miracles. That's not what the Word said. The Word says, by his stripes you were healed. Amen. So I don't have to wait to see it. I just start believing it before I see it. The book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate it therein day and night, that thou may observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. So, so again, that the word must not depart out of our mouth. We must keep meditating on it day and night, and then we must observe to do everything that is written. So whatever Jesus did, we're going to do. Amen. Amen. If Jesus preached, we're going to preach. Come on. If Jesus spoke in tongues and he did, we're going to do it. If Jesus cast out devils, we're going to do it. Whatever that he did, whatever the word said, we're going to look in the word and we're going to do everything the word said. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. And then our way will be prosperous. And then we will have good success. Have I not commanded thee? Watch this again be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee wheresoever thou goest. You're not doing this alone, you're going in the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. You are meditating on the word. You're going to observe to do it. And when you observe to do it, you're going to do what he said to do. And he's going to stand behind you. And he's going to perform the work. You know what? That means, that sounds like a little bit reckless then. But you know, if we're headed in the right direction, we can be reckless. Reckless. Amen. Well, Brother Tim, sometimes this borders on wildfire. Well, it's better than no fire. Better than the alternative. Better, better to err a little bit on the fanatical than on the formal. Well, it's just our church is just in this season. Well, then as a minister, get them out of that season. Preach the word. Amen. Get anointed. And when you're anointed, what are you going to do? You're going to You're going to lay hands on the sick. He hath anointed me to open the eyes of the blind, to give hearing to those who have lost it. Come on, to make the lame to walk again, to cause the feeble hands to raise up and praise the Lord again, for there to be victory in the house of God. He hath anointed me. There's got to be a people anointed in this day. So the church of God can be fearless and reckless in faith if we're pointed in the right direction. Amen. I believe we're a people pointed in the right direction. So whatever he said, that's what we're going to do. What's now Ephesians 1.5. Let's try to bring this down. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself. So we have been predestinated to the placing of children by Jesus Christ himself. Remember, this is where sons are placed in position and power. Amen. Adoption isn't everybody doing the same thing. Right. Right. This is a book of Acts, not a book of Corinthians. Amen. In the book of Corinthians, it different from the book of Acts, in the book of Corinthians, everybody has a gift. Everybody has a tongue. Everybody has a prophecy. But this is not a move of man, of people who are wanting a claim or position or a gift. The the acts is not the acts of the apostles. It's the acts of the Holy Spirit in the apostles. So you see, you see, it's where that you, your place in the body and God has set in the church. Notice this, God sets in the church. He predestinates you to a position. So he he gives in there speaking with tongues and interpretation of tongues and knowledge and wisdom and gifts of healing and all kinds of miracles. Now, you know, this brings us to a place where Brother Branham found the trouble with the Azusa movement is everybody wanted to do the same thing. And he said, you can never raise corn in Ephraim's corner or Manasseh raise it in Ephraim's corner. You've got to take your place positionally in Christ. You've got to find out where you belong, what you're called to do. You see, now, God puts in the church one to speak with tongues. Now, it's taught today commonly in in the Azusa movement that we all have to speak with tongues. That's wrong. We, We don't all have to do it. We don't. They didn't all do the same thing. The Bible said, do you all speak with tongues? Do all have gifts of healing? The obvious answer is no. We don't all do it, but it's in the body. And the deal of it is, is you never deny that it's in the body. Because to deny it's in the body is to deny it's in the word. Is somebody with me? Now, so the land was provided and was divided up by inspiration. And I want you to know God has you. In a position, in a place where He wants you. He's placed you in this land. And, and you never try to be something that you're not. You know, some people try to work on it so hard. You know, I, 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 they think like it's maybe a preacher's wife. She'll think, I've got to do this, and I've got to portray myself as so spiritual and portray myself as gifted, and God speaks. No, no, don't. Let your husband do that. You, you, you don't have to make pretense and pretend, and God told me, and God showed me, and God this. Be a good follower. Amen. He placed you in his body. Now, I want you to listen. We think a lot of times if we're placed in the body, that we're placed there, you know, to everybody to, well, you know, to be real spiritual, to have this real gift, uh, to be, you know, have this power, uh, or to, to have this, because we're anointed. It's the body that's anointed. And it's the church that's, that has the gifts, Amen. not you. Amen. And he positioned you in your body and he placed you, now this is gonna take the breath out of you. He placed you to be a housewife. You wanna, you wanna be a good preacher's wife? Clean the kitchen, make some meals. Be a lover of hospitality. Keep your house clean. You you want to you want to be a good Christian woman? Do the same. I just told you what a Christian should do: be a housewife. What about you? What about you? Be a farmer. Whatever God called you to be a preacher, a prophet, or He placed you positionally. You can't be something that you're not. You know, uh, again, you, you, even sometimes the evangelist has to be careful that he doesn't get in and try to pastor the people. There's, a, uh, there's limitations to his gift and the anointing and to know when to use it and whatnot. Now, I'm just gonna deal with some things just for a moment because here we come and we think, oh, you know, well, I've gotta be doing something. Well, I, I'm not spiritual if I'm not speaking in tongues and I'm not running the aisle or I'm not I'm not jumping up and down. I'm not spiritual. Listen, well, some of the most little spiritual women there are in this church are prayer warriors who never jump and never never shout. You don't all have to do the same thing. You, you, may, you might not be nothing but a housewife. And you say, well, that ain't nothing. Yes, it is something. It is very important. The reason why that America is going to hell the way it is is because they've taken mothers out of the home. You are an important part. You are the gospel to children. You have a responsibility to train up Amen. You have a responsibility. You say, well, I'm, I'm not there anymore. I'm a grandmother. You still have to be an example. An older woman living in holiness and righteousness. Frame the rest of them up. Say, Brother Branham, I've never done a thing in my life. I'm not a preacher. Well, maybe God brought you here to raise a family of children. Out of that family of children might come another family of children that will be a preacher that will send a million souls to Christ. Do you know that? Well, and others said, all I did was horror across these old clods. i take it out of the evening, didn't know how to make my kids a a living. I I looked at the poor little fellows with no shoes on. I sat and cried. I got an old buggy, and me and Ma went to church. Don't you worry, brother. You keep loving. He's got a purpose for you. You may not preach a sermon, but you might be a great grandfather to one who does. You see, your influence will live on for generations to come. I, I, I just tell you, even in this church, Papa Butts and Mama Butts, their influence has lived on for generations to come. That right. lives on today, the things they sowed, the life they lived, and they never preached a sermon, but yet they did. Right. And they were gifted people, but not with miracles and signs and wonders, but the gifts of hospitality and love and kindness. Brother Branham said, some of these little pretty-faced mothers here, some of them 60, 70 years old, So what have I done, Brother Branham? You've raised your children. You've done what you were supposed to do. Amen. Maybe some old dad, well, how hard the feels. I never preached, but you did what God sent you to do. There's a place for you. There's an old doctor uh, yesterday. He said, I talked to, and he says, he said, I I, I spoke to him, he was, up in age, and, and 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 he says, you know, old Doc said you, how long you been practicing? Well, when you were nursing, many a time, practice taking my buggy, put my saddlebags over my horse, took a little satchel, and I walked, yeah, down creek banks, two o'clock in the morning, with a little flashlight, trying to find a house where a little child had a tummy ache or a mother in labor pains. That's right, you know, Doctor. I believe across this dividing line between mortal and immortality, God has a place for good old doctors that serve like that. You see, heaven ain't going to be made up of just preachers. And the church is not going to just be made up of just preachers. But every one of you will preach a sermon through the holiness of your life where you live, whether you're a school teacher And the influence that you have on others, whether you're a homemaker or on your job, listen, it isn't God wanting to, everybody be a preacher, God's wanting to go to work. Deity in a man with a lunch pail under his arm. Demonstrating to the world how God would live in a worker. How God would live in a schoolboy. Our schoolgirl holiness is something that's not just in our dress. Holiness is a matter of life. Fatherhood. That's so important. Being a great father, a responsible husband, a man who knows how to nurture and love his children. So I can't tell my kids I love him. Well, I tell you, get the Holy Ghost and you can. You'll be able to then. Young people, children, boys, girls—they need to be told they're loved, they're important. <laughs> Somebody else to tell them if you don't. Be the wrong person. Amen. Come on, our young, our young ladies need a father. Now, come on, we need praying moms and dads. We need more than just preachers in the pulpit. We need praying moms and dad, we need praying workers. Come on, praying men, men that are out there on their job living the life before others in their business world that everybody knows you can trust that man's word because holiness is being exemplified out of his life and out of his action, not just out of his mouth of I believe some message. You don't believe it unless you're exemplifying holiness. If you believe it, you're going to exemplify it. You're going to show to the world, I'm a son of God. I do what is right. My word's a word of honor. I'm a man that can be trusted. I'm a woman of value. I'm a woman of trust. I'm a mother with responsibilities." You see, everybody doesn't have to be a Moses. Everybody don't have to be a Joshua. Everybody didn't have to create and do everything that Moses did. Some people just need to follow. God needs some followers. And fact of the matter is if you don't learn how to be a follower, you will never be a leader. Amen. He said, a lady asked me come down the road. said, it was Florence Shecarian. said, Brother Branham, I fast and I pray and I fast and I pray and I still can't cast out devil. Well, what's wrong? Is she not a believer? I mean, Mark 16 said that, that in my name you'll cast out devils. And Brother Branham says, you wasn't born to do that. Your duty is to fast. The Holy Spirit is working on somebody else out there for that. You don't know the place. So don't beat yourself up because you've never cast out a devil. But there's a lot of ways of casting out devils. Sometimes you can cast them out by love. Amen. Sometimes mama, you know, just producing the right atmosphere in the home where there's an atmosphere of love and care and, and, and whatever that, that is working, where your home is welcome and your children can come and the evil spirits have to leave because there is the Holy Ghost working in your home. Amen. But you know, every believer doesn't have to do the works, it's among believers. It has to be in the body of Christ. Amen. In the body of Christ every man doesn't have that gifts That's right. and not just one person will do it right. but it's in the body That's right, now now listen you said but brother Tim I, you know I've never been used of God I've never seen a vision don't fret listen brother Branham you may never see a vision right. yeah. well I want to I do too You may never put your hands on the sick and feel the charge of Almighty God make a skeleton of a man turn back to life again. You may never see him standing yonder in three or four rainbows. You may never see his image. You may never hear his voice. But you can still be a signboard manifest Jesus Christ by a life that's been so pure and unadulterated from the world, not smutted up with dirty things around your life, but a pure thing that can cause the hungry heart to hunger and thirst to be like Jesus. You're the salt of the earth, and if the salt loses its savor, what with will it be salted? That's right, hunger and thirst, and let your light so shine before men that others can see your good works. See what you do and glorify God. So here we go. Do we all dance? Do we all express worship the same way? Do we all have to run the aisles? Do we all speak with tongues? Paul said, I would that you'd all speak with tongues. But then turned around and let us know everybody don't have to. But one thing we will do, we will believe all the word. Healing, all the word. Casting out devils, all the word. Miracles, all the word. Prayer lines, (laughs) all the word. Shouting, all the word. Emotion, all the word. We don't believe in some emotionless religion. We're instructed to bury that, and a lot of churches haven't. Speaking in tongues, all the word. You see, as he said in standing the gap, All the gifts have returned to church, such as divine healing, prophecy, and speaking with tongues, interpretation. And though it's been misrepresented terrifically, but it don't take away, there's a real good one. There is a real true one, a real genuine, a gift of speaking in tongues that's always supposed to be in the church. Gifts of the Spirit, all the word. Holiness, all the word. Righteous living, all the word. Being the husband of one wife, all the word. Amen. Women being homemakers and mothers, all the word. Amen. Men being faithful husbands and good fathers, all the word. Seven thunders, yeah, all the word. The mysteries have been revealed. Seven seals is open, all the word. You know, whatever it is, baptism by immersion, all the word. In the name of Jesus Christ, the name that is highest name above all names, all the word. Acts 2, Holy Ghost experience, we believe all the word. Amen. Redemption only through the blood of Jesus, all the word. Amen. That the lamb is on the mercy seat and there's mercy, all the word. Amen. Is mercy over? Oh, mercy, no. Amen. Mercy, uh, don't you ever think that, that it's closed. Mercy's always open. Amen. So we have now arrived here in the land and have crossed over and have been placed in this inheritance, now subject to everything that God has, let's go possess every promise. Is that the way you feel this morning? Amen, let's stand together as we come to this service. Amen, let's go possess every promise now. We're gonna believe all the word. We're going to see all the word work. We're going to see it all manifested. No, we're not going to try to do things we're not called to do. We're going to move right into our calling and our placing and be content with wherever God has placed us because we have been placed in the promised land of the word. Don't that bring some relief to you? To realize it's in the body. And I know now what I'm to do. What am I to do? I'm going to be a believer. A real one. I'm going to walk in holiness. What good is it going to do for me to preach if I don't have holiness to go with it? Holy life. Holy action. What good is it to have young people that sit on church benches, even sit on the front, and they don't have holy lives? In every kind of sin of pornography and, you know, there with, with girls, uh, uh, you know, for, fornicating and everything. What good is that going to do? Amen. Right. Hey, we, we don't want to just become denominational Christians. pew yes. warmers. Yes. We want to be real daughters, sons of God. Yes. Manifesting deity to the world and yes. believing in every promise yes. of the word. Yes. Amen. Let's bow our heads together. Father... I commit this message into your hands now. We've labored. We tried to bring some things down, Lord, to bring it to understanding. I pray, Lord, you just break the scales off the eyes. May your people not struggle and strive. May they just rest. I'm here in the Holy Ghost. You'll open up whatever doors you want. When you open a door, no man can shut it. When you shut it, no man can open it. I'm going to be what you called me to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Learning to lean. I'm learning to lean. I'm learning to lean on Jesus, and I'm finding more power. time. I Jeannie, aren't you you going back for treatments this week? Is it this week? On Tuesday. Why don't you come down here? I want to pray with you today. The Lord's already done some miraculous things. Come on, brothers. He's already done miraculous things. Sister Jeannie, I want you to tell them what the Lord's done for you thus far. Yeah, just speak into that microphone.
1: Well, um, when I first went to the doctor, um, he explained to me that a cancer number starts at 35. And he said, when you came to me, your number was at 197. And after the first uh, cancer treatment, It dropped to 91, and so I have not heard of any figures on the second treatment, but I go Tuesday for the third one, and at that point, they're going to do a CAT scan, which I'm praying that all the tumors will be gone, (laughs) because every day I speak death to it. I say that you have no control over me, you're under my feet. God brought me into this world and he will determine when I leave Come on now. amen
0: Come on.
1: so anyway at that point they will uh, he'll call the oncologist in and they will make a decision on the time of a surgery so I do covet all's prayers because I don't want to have surgery I want to have a supernatural miracle to prove that God is his word
0: yes. amen. amen amen we've seen God move haven't we? Amen. Nothing can stand before our prayers, not even cancer. Amen. We're going to believe. You know, we're going to apply Mark 16. Sister Jeannie's been having to take deadly things. As I've instructed her, you pray over every one of them. But the Bible said if we take any deadly thing, it would not harm us. We're going to pray it goes to its work. Right now, in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Yes. Amen. Isn't it wonderful? You know, when you're a real Christian, there's something in you that intercedes for others. Our sister's saying, while you're praying, pray for Brother Ron, too. I think that's wonderful. I believe that moves the heart of God. And we need God to move. Father, in the name of Jesus. We have been placed into this land of promise. Every promise in the Bible is ours. Every promise of the book belongs to us. Lord, in the name of Jesus. Lord, as our sister has given the report, the enemy is being pushed back. And healing has already begun. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I just pray that the chemo will not de- destroy any good cell in her body. But it will just attack that enemy of cancer. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we rebuke it and command it to go, Lord. May it be as she has desired and as she has spoke that there need no need for surgery, but the things will be gone, healed in the name of Jesus. And Lord, as she stands here in proxy standing for our brother Ron, Lord, in the name of Jesus... We ask in the name of Jesus, as we call the name of Ron Spencer. All the demons of hell would like to destroy him and wreck and ruin his life. But Lord, we stand as the standard against the enemy. We wave the banner of the Lord as our healer and our deliverer. I ask in the name of Jesus that healing virtues will flow through his body today. And he'd be made well. I speak to his pancreas. May it live. Come to life and act normal. It'd be no longer a diabetic condition. The cancer will go. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. As I'm praying, Brother Darrell, come down here right now. Praise the Lord. Brother Darrell's going for surgery on Wednesday for a shoulder. We just believe God will put everything in place. Amen. Father, we lay our hands upon him. Believe the word of promise. In the name of Jesus, you said, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. You know about this shoulder and the condition. May there not be any evil come. But Lord, may everything work perfectly and totally. You work, Father, healing this shoulder, Lord. The doctor may cut it, but it's going to take you to heal it. I ask it in Jesus' name. Bind the powers of hell that has come against your body. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Lord.